0: have to be your biggest fan and when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working but there's something inside of you that says i just have to welcome to the unfinished work show i am mike lake in the building a little bit late but i am here after an eventful day at my day job, let's just say. Um, I just scrambled up in here into the building. I say building, but it's my house. Um, it was crazy. So I was out in, um, let's say, Lakeland. Near Lakeland. Uh, Haines City. That's where I was at. So I was out in Haynes City doing my day job. Had to work a little late. Just got home fighting all the traffic on I-4. If you live in the Tampa area or Orlando area, you know what I'm talking about i4 is absolutely bananas it's a terrible interstate they should tear it down and start from the beginning i don't know why it's like that Uh, but anyway with that being said let's get into this week's episode on fear how is fear stopping you from hitting your goals now i remember i recall a random story and if steve was here if the homie steve was here he'll tell you he'll confirm we got this homie named cj and every time we would see this dude, we would go play basketball up at um, USF, at the courts, at the outside courts. And every single time we saw this guy, like we just met him on the courts, just a, just a homie playing ball, just like us. Um, but when we met him on the court, it just the the relationship clicked from the beginning because he was a funny dude. But he would always say the same thing when he saw us. He would claim that we was scared. Nothing we was doing. We, we young kids. We like 13, 14, whatever out there playing with people of various ages. Um, but it just, just the funniness of the way he would try to call us out from all the way across the court, from two courts down, from right next to you loud as hell, or whatever. He he would run up like, you scared, you scared. Like, look at him, he's scared. He would just create like a whole scene about it. But I think that that fits with today's topic because I believe a lot of y'all scared. I could see it. I, I think you could see it too. You just don't want us to see it. And what I mean by that is essentially, hold on, let me check this for one second. Just want to make sure things is going as they should. Um quick detour of my own story. Um I, I like the I like the teachers back in the day that used to tangent in the middle of their own story. But anyway, um uh, I switched up the stream a little bit this week. I went with a different software, uh, because I'm just trying to Weed out all the little kinks in the in the in the process. Um, if you were watching last week, or if you watched it after the live stream, you would have saw how the stream just dropped out randomly, and it shouldn't have done that. Um, Cause I got it direct connected. It's a tech thing, but Ethernet direct connection shouldn't drop like Wi-Fi, and that was just odd. And I I don't know what that's about. So I'm blaming it on the streamer. I won't say the program name, but I've had other issues with them before on the other show that I used to do. With that exact same thing, just dropping quality on the stream. I'm trying to keep myself in HD so y'all can see these beautiful grays and this this illuminating smile that I have here today. But anyway, back to my story. So y'all scared. And y'all don't think that we can see it because the funny thing about fear is why you're in it, you don't realize how obvious it is. Like picture an animal in the wild. I'm basically calling you prey. Uh, picture an animal in the wild. And this animal... Doing his animal thing, he eating, grazing, pooping, whatever, you know, animal stuff. And there's a predator afoot. I like using the word afoot. There's a predator afoot. He doing whatever he do. I'm assuming he's a he. Could be a she if it's a pack of lions or something. Uh, But anyway, the predator doing what predators do. Lurking in the, in the cut. It's a snake. It's a whatever. This ain't the animal channel. But it's doing what it do. And it got you lined up. It got you in the sights. And it's ready to pounce. Um, like that scene from Lion King where Mufasa was teaching, oh boy, how to pounce with Zazu turned around. And you don't know it. But in the Zazu case, they were just practicing. But in real life, as a prey, like when you walk around looking like prey, we know. Everybody else knows it. Every single person who come into contact with you, see how you act. They see how you conduct yourself and they see it in your actions and they're like, if this person, and it's not a confidence thing, because you could be confident and scared, but you just move different. You smell funny. You stand out to the rest of everybody else who's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because you put you put off a scent. And it is written on your face. It's written in how you move. It's written in how you dress and how you talk and the things you choose to to discuss, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not even gonna give examples. Maybe later in the show. I don't know. But the point of it is you're scared, and we know it. And it's preventing you from moving forward, whether that's in a networking sense, whether that's in the day-to-day on your job sense. If you're scared to ask for a raise, you're never going to get a raise. You make the same funky $10 you've been making this whole time, and your boss would just be sitting here counting his pennies like Mr. Krabs because uh, you're scared to ask for a raise. Uh, when you're networking and you walk up and you shook and you just kind of like uh, eyes down at the ground and, oh, it's nice to meet you, and uh, here's my phone number, and uh, if you want to link up, Come on and link up. We're trying to we're trying to work. <laughs> we we know. We can see it. You very nervous to be here. Ain't nobody here famous. Even if the king of England was here, he just the king of England. Um if the president was here, he just the president. He just another guy. Now, his status is crazy, you know, leader of the free world as far as America, or leader of that little island called Britain. But honestly, if you in the room, you're supposed to be there. <clears throat> if you in there, you're supposed to be there. Unless you snuck in, and then I get why you're nervous, because you know, secret service. But um, you nervous? You scared? You 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 can't make eye contact. You shake hands with the little dainty hand thing that that some men do. Uh, you your voice cracking. You talk about weird stuff. You just volunteering random weird information. And <laughs> I only named two instances so far. Talk about work. And we talk about networking, but it applies to everything. You don't think women know when you step to them that you shook, that you never been here, that you 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 got the ball, you're running toward the end zone and, and you never been there. You see daylight, but you don't see that linebacker coming with the crackback. Uh, I don't think crackback applies here, but it felt nice to say in that space. We can tell, we could just tell. When when certain people on the court hit a shot. They'll hit their shot, they'll they'll do their little thing and they'll go down and, and, and play some D. Uh meanwhile, you standing there like, oh boy, what was that, Coach Carter? When he stood there, he had the hand up and he left it up and he got scored on the other side, because you've never been there. Even when you get a little taste of whatever it is you're trying to get at, you still standing there with your hand up and the team and everybody else going the other way. Anyway, y'all scared. We know it. Put it down. Um before I really get deep into the conversation, I want to talk about John and I know everybody been talking about Ja Morant. If you haven't heard who John Morant is, you probably got about a thirty second head start to go do your googles while I talk about this other thing. Um, I was running into, and I say running into, I mean online. I got hit up by somebody who was talking to me about the other two episodes. They checked them out and gave a little tips of what they thought could make the show a little better. And salute, salute to them for for offering. Uh, I may or may not take you up on your advice. Why do I have these headphones on? I guess it look cool. We'll leave them on. Um, I may or may not take you up on your advice. That's not anything to do with anything. I don't even know why I brought it up because I have a certain vision for what I want this show to be over here at the unfinished work show. I like to build a community. I just messaged some of y'all. I've been talking to people all day today talking about building a network of men not just moving in the same direction but who want to maximize their self-improvement because anybody who knows and I said it during episode one anybody who knows wherever they are in life there's still more to do there's still a level above where you at that even some of the greatest people and I'm repeating myself from episode one but two of the greatest sports stars of all time are on the wall behind me rest in peace to both of them and both of them even knew at 5 rings he wanted 6 or 7 and at, at multiple championships and even after he was robbed by the American government in the whole Vietnam draft dodging thing he came back and became a champion again after most boxers could you know couldn't touch after that level of prime that boxer's need he came back on the backside and did it um that even these guys at where they were were still pushing both of them even late in their lives or Kobe didn't know it was late in his life but even late in his life, Ali was doing whatever he had to do to keep the the name moving, to keep his legacy pushing. And, and even it put, poured into his daughter, who became a champion in her own right, Layla Ali. Uh, Kobe was pouring into his daughter. And Kobe was pushing into a media space, something that I, as, as a big, huge stand of Kobe, a lifelong stand of Kobe Bryant, seeing him move into a space that I also was not just interested in, but was active in was something that was gonna be dope to see but man was just trying to improve I, I want to say the world but that sounds too like grandiose because I'm a fan but generally speaking I think he wanted to do media to reach and touch other people utilizing his name and sports to facilitate a change uh like what he wrote in his children's book that he was working on and the the one he won wanted Grammy for dear basketball that was just kind of like a homage to to the sport he loved but anyway these two great men were still trying to improve. Name a great man who wasn't trying to improve. I'll even use a great man who had great in his name, Alexander the Great. This dude was marching eastward towards China and actively still trying to conquer more because he was trying to get more. He was trying to learn more. He was trying to put his name on the map, and and that's how he obtained that great in, in his name. Um. Pushing towards your best self, investing in yourself, spending time on yourself, chiseling, you know, working on yourself and doing those things. And and that's what we want to do here. But honestly, I want to do it. I know there's ways that here on the Internet you can like. You can buy views or, you know, all the smoke and mirrors and stuff that people be doing It's out there. I'm aware of it, I guess. But I, I never I'll just say it like this. If. I had a choice in this thing. I would rather be Lupe Fiasco than a lot of, of these other rappers who came and went. Uh, here, I'll just toss a name up, like Fetty Wap, who, who had a good run and a crazy album, but never another thing. I don't want the flash in the pan. Uh, hey, you went viral because you said something crazy and now everybody on your head or everybody love you because you said this one crazy thing. Uh, I would rather slow build and do this thing one by one, because the person who told me this checked out the show toward the end of episode two and then went back and watched episode one. They came, I want to say late. It's not late. It was only episode two, but they didn't catch. They didn't catch it when it was happening. And they went back and they're like, you got you working on something here. I'm feeling it. And, and next week after episode three, hopefully one of y'all that's here or that watches it later will check this out and go. I want to be here. I want to I want to I want to get into the comments and talk. To others who are just trying to do whatever it is they're trying to do. Maybe they know something you don't, and maybe you know something they don't. And together we can put it all together and, and um and make a make make a small dynasty. I know it's every man for itself, and it's still every man for itself. We all still compete but within that competition, we can still be sportsmen like and we can still um team up as it benefits us, because like if you're moving in the same direction, if we're running in the same direction. Let me get some of your water and, I, and I'll share with you my cooling rag or whatever. I don't know. People, people who run, tell me what terms to use because obviously I don't run. Um, but anyway, I want to do this thing one by one. I want to do it as a slow build. I want to add a person. If we can multiply that, that'd be cool. But if you give me five people, I said this, I believe on episode two, you give me five people and a and a mission to achieve and those people are, are ready to rock and let's go. I could do anything. I could do anything. Anything. I've done it and not that I've played or organized ball or but I've done it in sports world. I've done it in um in, in in the police academy. I've done it. I've done it in all these different scenarios where I manage teams for, for a multi-million dollar company operating in 32 states. And just give me people who are ready to go and we can go and we can knock this thing out. Um, And I'm trying to build that team Not just around me Us around like in a circle together I don't want to be propped up I don't need no fame I don't want none of that Over here at the Unfinished Work Show A network of people Nobody above nobody else But everybody working together To try to make themselves better And thus make society better too Is the general goal Um But anyway Back to what I was talking about Y'all scared So I was looking at this job thing, and I, I've been sitting back after the Lakers, after my Lakers defeated them, and the video came out, and I'm just watching this. I'm going to call him a kid. I'm watching this kid. I guess you could say he's having fun, and I'm not going to act like I never had fun back in my day, which would have been, probably been the pre-internet days. At Well, no, at 27, the internet was good and popping. Uh, but when I was younger, I'm sure there was crazy things that we did that – Probably would have went down in some kind of history of, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. The problem is I wasn't the face of an organization and I wasn't making multiple millions of dollars and losing multiple millions of dollars because of the suspension from last year's incident to only then follow that up with this year's incident and a slew of other stuff that came out that I didn't even know stuff about. His homies pointing lasers at people and whatever, whatever. This ain't Sports Center. Go watch it over there. Matter of fact, I ain't even giving them no extra shine. This ain't a sports show. I'm going to bleep that on the edit. Y'all live people got lucky. Y'all caught that. Uh, but this ain't that kind of show. I don't, the, the sports aspects of it all, I don't want to see these kids suspended, but I understand they got to do what they got to do because they are business. But as it relates to your goals, I was looking at it from the point of view of, I know, I just know there's no way in that moment he was thinking about his money, his contract, the team, or anything other than whatever it was he was doing. And then I had to ask myself, why would someone be acting like this after after already having saw the consequences uh, from last season? I forget how many games he was suspended, but they said that he lost something like $600,000 or something to that effect. I don't know. More money than I got, more money than I made today. Point of it is, if I had that kind of money on the line, I wouldn't be playing stupid games. You can flash your guns, do whatever you do off camera. (laughs) Just do it off camera. Who is the homie that was recording there? I, I would be having a chat with my homie. If I'm the money in the group and if any of my homies is in here listening, understand this. If I'm the money in the group. And I'm bankrolling all of our whatever we doing, our fun, our activities, our nonsense. I put you in a position to, I put you in a position to where you don't have to work. You can select your, your path in life because I'm on and we friends. I, you best believe I'm going to have an influence on y'all more than y'all going to have on me in the sense of, hey, man, we got to, we got to keep this thing tight. We got to keep the money rolling. We got to keep ourselves available and keep me on the court. Because these suspensions ain't going to help nobody. None of those guys I just named. Any money he loses, less money for them to do whatever they're going to do. But I know it couldn't have been one of his goals. I, I Honestly, I believe one of his goals was to have a parade inside the city, yeah? I believe one of his goals was to get a chip. And I, I, I just from what I would imagine a lifelong basketball player would want is the accolades and the, and the acknowledgments of what you can get on the court. But just like every other just like this man over my shoulder who didn't actually do it but still took an l because he was in the wrong spot um off the court when you off the court it, there's literally a phrase in hip-hop that discusses we literally say off the court like when i love this person when they when they on the court and when they off the court i can't hold on what's going on behind me? let me check this out when they trying to sell you stuff they try to it's crazy the pop up we got pop ups that's a computer behind me um i thought it was a part of the logo for a sec but anyway uh, off the court when you're off the court it's just as possible for you to lose your job as when you are on the court now from the on the court position it's about your skills which we know he has it's about your leadership it's about your presence it's about all of those things that he has and has shown in space, like this man can ball, this man can jump, this man can go. He can lead an entire team. He's young; I think he's like twenty-seven years old. Excuse me, and he—he he was doing the thing. I believe they were number one in or two. I think they were one or two in the West. So he's leading a team out of Memphis, a multi-million dollars, but uh, let's say billion-dollar team. He's making millions himself. He's the face of this organization. He has all these endorsements and all the stuff going on. And just because you want to chase a little clout, now you got to sit down again. And I'm sure you've heard these talking points. I haven't watched these sports shows, but I've seen Stephen A. talking about it. I've seen other people talking about it. But where it comes into play is when you have a goal in mind and clearly you have a goal and a path, you have a talent, you had an opportunity to pursue that goal and that path and utilize that talent. Now you over here chasing clout and now you can't continue in that. Most people don't have the once in a lifetime talent like him, like he does on a court. Uh, but because the rest of y'all is just regular and a lot of y'all out there chasing clout, too, in different ways. If they tell you to sit down, they're actually telling you to sit down and like, get out, get grab your box and get out. Now you done lost your job. Now your family got to suffer, et cetera, et cetera. The reason I I wanted to tie this into the fear conversation is because I think clout chasing is a symptom of fear. I could be wrong. I don't know if I'm wrong. Tell me in the comments. I I see clout chasing as someone taking an opportunity to get notoriety in a way or fashion that doesn't naturally come to them. And I think that's a symptom of fear because they don't want to be seen for what they really are. They're not comfortable in their own skin. They're not they don't like who they are or who they present to be. So they take the opportunity to try and create a new world where they get to be this other thing. And again, I'm not assuming on this man life. I'm not a John Morant fan in terms of like how I was for Kobe, but in the, in the space that from what I understand in this man, he had a two parent family which isn't saying anything. I don't know if he grew up in the hood or not. I know he went to college, and I know he played ball in the NBA. He's a multimillionaire. His spaces should be different, and the clout that he's chasing, flashing guns and all this other stuff that's going on, is chasing a clout that doesn't necessarily apply to him or his life. That most people in the hood who have to live that life, if you have to live a life where you need a gun on you, if you have to live a life where you got to act tough because anything less gets you eight out here you you know if you out here looking like prey in certain elements i understand the need to look tough i understand the need to not be out here all smiling and, and happy i under i've seen it honestly i grew up in the, in the in the hood myself in the early part of my life and then my mom and us moved from uh west tampa carver city over to uh east tampa and in the early days in carver city i remember they they used to be out there fighting dogs And people out there selling drugs and there'd be junkies doing, you know, using needles on the bench while we playing ball right there on the court. You would oftentimes find needles on the court and have to kind of kick them off so you can ball. These are all symptoms of the hood if you're familiar with what that's about. Uh, There was was early signs of gang activity. There was even a shooting at a block party that uh, my dad was DJing on Green Street. And my whole family was there and there was a shooting. And I remember seeing a dude who uh, did it and before he did it i saw him before he pulled the gun out he had it tucked under a jacket and he was flashing he was showing it to somebody else i don't remember if it was in a threatening manner or not i just remember when he lifted up the hoodie or whatever he had on i saw it and i told my cousin who was a little bit more let's just say in touch with the hood i mean you hear how i talk but uh like they was from the hood the hood like main street west tampa the hood and i told him i was like yo is that is that real he seen it. said, oh man, we go to bucking, dude pull out start 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 uh banging off. I only tell you that story and I probably have told some of y'all out here before. Um he I don't, he wasn't shooting at us. Let me be clear. This wasn't no like John Wick, Matrix style Mike front and away. I I was young, man. I was I was under my teens. I had to be in 11-12 range, maybe 10-11ish. I, I don't know. I just it obviously I remember it. But anyway, that block party got ended on the spot. I remember my dad scrambling around, um, looking for family, grabbing important people. My granddad was out there and putting us in the van and leaving his DJ equipment out there and rolling up the street to the house. I also remember one of the other youngins, I mean not say youngins, let's say older, older he would be one of my OGs, uh chasing the dude. And um, yeah, it was like a whole thing. Anyway. Hood stuff, right? I never acted tough in my hood. I never had to. I wasn't in that age where it was necessary. But if we stayed, it might have became necessary for me to present in a certain way. Um, Even when you're out and about in these regular streets, like I'm not trying to look like prey out here. I'm not prey out here. Run up if you want to. But what I'm saying is there are certain elements and there's certain lifestyles and there's certain positions you might find yourself in where you got to show a little edge just so people don't think they could take advantage of you. And ain't none of that got nothing to do with him. He makes millions of dollars a year. Millions of dollars a year. He should be in the nicest house, in the nicest area, in the safest part of town with armed security that follow him around everywhere he go. If I had John Morant money, I promise you I wouldn't need to carry a gun because I will have two security goons with me who do carry their guns legally to handle whatever nonsense appears in in my space. So Chasing clout is a presentation of fear because you don't want people to know what you're really about because you're scared. You don't have the self-esteem to really just be who you are. And this is crazy to be saying about a millionaire. This is literally crazy for me to, he is, he's still young though. It's crazy for me to think that I regular Mike broke Mike is out here talking at or commenting on a millionaire's lifestyle. But what else can I do when I'm old enough to be an OG to him? even though I'm not financial enough to be an OG. And I see him out here making stupid mistakes that's taking him off his path. Unless his goal is to be that guy. Then I say, then just do that. Um, I don't know. It's very weird. And with all that being said, I know a lot of people have been piling on the kid. And I'm not saying any of this to pile on him. I hope the suspension that he gets isn't too critical I hope it's not like a season-long ban or anything like that. Like, he takes his suspension, he learns from his lesson, and then he go and get back on the court and get back to it. Um, I also want to give him a little grace that the age that he's at, mistakes can be made, that I made mistakes at that age. Uh, Nothing like this, but mistakes can be made when you're still trying to figure out who you are and when you're still trying to put it all together. And oddly enough, maybe I'm even extending a little more grace than I, I probably normally would. Because it'd just be fun to pile on celebrities. I know y'all like doing it, too. Um, that he kind of reminded me of my son. It's, it's very interesting to look at Ja Morant. My son can't ball or nothing like that, as far as I know. But I'm talking about the look. Like, my son had the dress. He's a light lighter skinned, um, s- s- smaller framed male. He's a little bit tall. I think he actually got me now about half an inch. Um, he reminded me of my son. When I look at this kid in his face, especially even after he made the mistake or whatever, um, I'm imagining his face and I'm imagining my son just like, I did something stupid and I messed up and help me, dad. Like, help me. If, you're, if you've if you never been in that position, especially, I don't know if y'all have sons or not. If you have kids and your kid ever really looked at you like, help me, and mine has, it's kind of heartbreaking to look at because you just see, like man, you're young. You don't even know the clout you chasing don't even matter and won't matter to you in five years. That the clout you chasing now could really mess you up in a way where you, you, the guy sitting on the couch or doing a podcast, commenting on somebody else in, in some years in the future. Matter of fact, Gilbert Arenas, Gilbert Arenas was one of the guys I saw commenting on this. And if I know I'm doing a lot of sports talk, but Gilbert Arenas was a basketball player from the uh, Wizards. He played for the Wizards and he, Made a very similar mistake. I believe it was two times where he had a gun in his bag or something on a trip. On a on a basketball, like a trip. And then they found it another time in his locker room or something. Something crazy to that effect. I don't know. Y'all remind me of a Gilbert Arena story. But he was one of the guys I saw commenting on this. And the advice he was given, if I remember right, was telling Ja how to get back from this. How to clean up his image. Uh, I believe the advice was to just disappear. Excuse me. Disappear for the all season and... During your uh, suspension and come back on the other side, remorseful and and purely just pour everything into your basketball career. You can turn this thing around. A lot of guys made mistakes in this league and they turned it around. I think he even was one of them. So I think Gilbert Arenas knows what he's talking about. Anyway, cloud chasing equals fear. Flashing a gun is just putting off of something that you ain't necessarily not that he not built for it. Anybody can pull a trigger it's just this posturing like look at me I'm hood we out here we listening to hood music we flashing guns on the on the internet uh, while we driving down the road it's a very odd thing for a millionaire to be doing I don't know maybe maybe if I was a millionaire I could tell you I, maybe, what, what if I became a millionaire and I just the next time y'all saw me or something I was like I did something boneheaded like that I, I, was, I went down for a gun charge cause I'm like oh I get it now cause I ain't got nothing else to do I'm rich I don't have to work as much as y'all Um, but anyway, so I had, because I had to scramble in from work, I, uh, actually, let me read some of these comments. Let's see. Dave says chasing people's approval is a waste of time and effort. Uh, What we should be chasing is our own approval. This is very true. And you know what's, thank you, Dave. What's crazy about that, the approval process you go through within yourself is kind of the beginning point to prevent you from the clout chase because i don't need clout i know i don't need it now at 37 i probably never had it so i'm speaking from a position of of being cloutless and and maybe it's easier to say from my couch that i don't need the clout but i never need a validation i think if anybody has known me and they and they and you could call anybody all the way back through my childhood i never needed the clout not that i ever had it but people know me Most people like me, I have very few enemies. I'm just a regular dude. I try to be good to people. I try to talk very regular. Uh, I don't act tougher than I need to be. I don't start fights. I don't do none of that stuff. I never needed to do none of that stuff because I'm good. I'm good where it matters. Like Dave said, I'm good with myself. I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm normal when I go out. And even if I ever was scared, I'm not going to act like I've never been scared before. It wasn't from a position of like prey, if you will. I probably was scared in a situation where I should have been scared, where I should, like something's unknown to me. I'm experiencing something new and I'm just going through it. But I'm talking when I say when I brought up the guys in the earlier sense, like when you step into girls, or something, I'm talking about not high school age people trying to ask some girl to problem, I'm talking about dudes who should be old enough to have a, encountered a few females before. I'm talking about dudes who trying to be on, whether it's in a rap career or their podcast career or anything where you have to network in these streets. If you're a DJ or whatever, whatever you might be doing, starting a business or looking for work that at a certain age, your networking game should be strong enough for you to present who you are, what you're looking for and, and, and what can that person do for you. In a way that they can digest it or pass the information on to the next person. I mean, that's literally describing networking to y'all that um, even if like if I introduce myself to you, say, hey, I'm Mike Lake. I'm a podcaster. My day job, I do X. That you now know who I am and what I'm about. And then our next steps in our interaction is for you to kind of delve into what that means to you. And if it doesn't apply to you, you might say, oh, I know a guy. And now, you know, a guy because you met me, you know, a guy who does this and you know, a guy who does that. I'm a producer. I produce podcasts, for example. I've done it for about five years. If you ever were looking to start one, you know a guy who does that, if you know me. And if you not looking to start one, cool, I'm not on here hustling for sales or nothing. Um, what, I, what I was getting at is that if you run into somebody who say, hey, man, and I've had this happen plenty of times where a friend of mine comes up and they're like, or they hit me up and say, hey, Mike, I, I got a homie looking to start a pod and they kind of wanted some tips or, you know, they want to see if you could do it for them and produce it for them. That's the beauty of networking. You should be able to sell who you are, but it starts with being comfortable with who you are because when you're acting like the other thing, if you're acting bigger than you are, people can tell. It's not hard for people to look at your stats online. Y'all can see how many people are watching the stream right now. It's, it's not. I'm, four people are watching this, and I'm not acting like it's more than that. I'm not, I'm not presenting this in a way where it's like viral. I went viral on episode two. Nobody know who I am. Even the 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 amount of followership or viewership or support that we had on the pour up, whatever those numbers were, I, I know exactly what they were. I just don't feel like going over them. Those were authentic numbers. Those was real people. Those numbers trace back to people that have come into contact with us, who have reached out to us, who said, "Hey, we like what y'all doing over here." Uh, we like like even one of the guys I was telling to check out this show today. He was like, "Oh, is it on Shift Division Media?" Because he he remembered like the other uh, company. But whatever. I digress. Thanks, Dave, for that for that comment. Start with the approval of yourself, and then move from there. Um, as I was doing research, once again, because I ran in here like Fat Superman, and I jumped in the shower and I changed clothes, I got fresh, and I jumped and sat down at this computer, and I started even a little bit late. I didn't have the proper amount of time to do what I wanted to do, which is bring y'all some additional content to share. Um, I could probably pull it up on a shared screen or something, but I don't want to. I'm working on, a like I told you all in the beginning, I'm working on a new software and I don't want to imagine I try to show that and then nothing else shows for the rest of the episode. So I promise y'all next week I will be ready. I will have this stuff uploaded to my computer. But I remember um, Jordan Peterson actually was talking about fear and he had an interesting point of view on on the process of fear. So what he essentially was explaining was in, in clinical. He's a doctor or something. Excuse me. In clinical literature, as it relates to fear and anxiety, if you impose a stressor, like there was a study where they imposed a stressor on a group of people, on two groups of people, and one of those groups of people was voluntary, like they knew what was about to happen, like, hey, we're about to put you in a stressful situation, and the other one was involuntary. Those people didn't know what was about to happen. I mean, I'd imagine those people knew there was some kind of test being done, but they didn't know, like, we're about to test your level of fear, and the voluntary group, they, they later found in the study, and I, I could find a study for y'all later, that the psychophysiological ability to deal with that problem was approached different. Like, basically, when you know something's coming and you take on that challenge, that, and matter of fact, I just used two of the words, that when, if I told you right now, hey, I'm about to scare you, most of y'all would be like, okay, do it. It's like going to a, a horror movie on purpose imagine not going to a horror movie on purpose and finding yourself in a horror movie or in a horrible situation. Uh, A lot of people go to these positions and places to get thrills and, 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 and whatever else it's called, like Hollywood, Hollywood horror nights and stuff like that, where you're voluntarily putting yourself in a position to be scared and then trying to not be scared. Psychophysiologically, you approach a voluntary situation where you go into it knowing with, uh, approach drive and with challenge drive, the people who have to face fear involuntarily, they, they respond defensive aggression it's with the defensive aggression and withdrawal, which means they, they run, uh, what I'm basically describing here in super clinical terms is fight flight or freeze. And essentially, and I know fight sounds like the one that everybody would go to like, Oh, I'll, I'll throw my hands up or whatever. No, fight and flight are both fear responses. It's you trying to withdraw from the situation. It's you getting defensive aggressive. You're defensive aggressive. You're not just actually aggressive. You're responding defensively aggressively and or withdrawing, meaning you're fleeing. And then the other side, the people who volunteer for it, they are accepting the challenge. Their brain takes it as a puzzle, something that needs to be solved in a way to either not present as scare or to solve whatever the problem is. And it, essentially... Challenge is more associated with positive emotions because it activates your prey drive, uh, or excuse me, it's, it's associated with positive emotions. And the other thing, if you don't have it in the positive, if you're on the defensive aggressor side, your prey drive activates, and that's when you get into the fight or flight. All in all, he, he kept on, he continued with this whole thing. He's a talker, similar to myself. He basically explained that if you know that you have a fearful thing or there's a, something that you got coming up that you're fearful of, to make a list of what it is that actually scares you about that thing, I, I fear this, and you—that's again being honest with yourself. You have to sit down with yourself and say, "Why does this worry me?" Make a list, and then approach those things as challenges. Hit those things as—and I don't mean—I'm not talking nothing super duper crazy, but similar to people who like have a fear of heights and then they try to go skydiving. Or you you have a fear of whatever, whatever people be having fears, fears of. <laughs> um, but the point of it is to make a list of why those things scare you so you can mentally approach them in a different way. And then you can meet those fearful opportunities as a challenge and get the positive emotion from it, because that helps you build self-esteem. That helps you face your fears. And then you can build on that to then try not necessarily to conquer fear, because he also said, it's not about lessening fear. It's not about lowering the amount of fear. The fear's still there. It's about you meeting the fear where it's at. That's what bravery is. That's the description of bravery. And that I'd rather have all of those things than the other things, which is fight, flight, or freeze. Because if you freeze, you lock up. There's nothing you can do. You try to flee. If you don't, if you can get away, then I mean, good luck. If you're running from an animal, you're probably not going to get away. But, <laughs> But you probably shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. Um, and then the fight, same thing. A fight can go left or right depending on where it's at. All in all, it's like a panic. And once you panic, you're not thinking right. Um, so anyway, you'd rather face fear head on, write a list of the things you're scared of. And I comedically have told people in the past, and I'll share what y'all hear today. I'm a, I'm a scared. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm scared of. In a comical sense, bees. Now, if it was a life or death situation and some bees was there and I had to deal with it, i will deal with it. But in an everyday, like right now in this podcast with bee flew in here, I, I'm gone. That pre-drive kick in, I'm out of here. Um, whatever that's about. <laughs> Actually, I know exactly what it's about. But uh, my homie Jerry will tell you a time we were in the car at the light and I thought a bee flew in the window. I thought a bee flew, which is even worse. It was a leaf just falling from wherever. And... I started to jump out the car, and the car rolled a little bit, but I caught it. He'll tell it differently. He'll tell it like I was halfway down the road, but I wasn't. I just stepped my foot out the car. Uh, Killer whales scare me because of their intelligence. I understand them in a sense because I've watched a lot of videos and stuff on them. But if you ever find yourself underwater or one, good luck to you and and, and whatever that's about. They kill sharks for fun, y'all. But these are like comedy, scary things. I'm not actually, these aren't things I'm going to encounter on my day-to-day. I could be real here, and I don't think I have any actual fears, but there's some like what you would call hesitations that even everybody has this, right? That to meet a certain goal that you want to hit. When I first started this podcast on episode one, I I wish I had the clip ready, but I probably was shaky-voiced. A little bit nervous because I had never done a pod by myself. I've been podcasting for five, almost six years and always with a co-host. I always had my homies with me or a guest or somebody to bounce ideas off of, to talk in the moment, to to be able to take a breath and breathe and think while they talk. I never did a anything like this. And I was anxious, nervous, but it was like excited. I get excited when I get nervous. That means I care about what's happening. But that's also me facing my fears over the years. And in those instances, I have enough confidence to understand that I can overcome it. Um, I never spoke in front of large crowds, but if you handed me a mic, I, I'd probably be nervous at first, but I'll, I'll get into my groove. Uh, but anyway, with that being said, everybody has a fear. Whatever your fear is, whatever's holding you back, whatever business idea you're trying to start, whatever thing you're trying to do, if, hey, I, you know, I was thinking this thing that, you know, the thing you share with your spouse or your closest friends, do it. But if fear's what's holding you back, then. Do what Jordan Peterson said, write a list, face those fears direct, because once you identify what's holding, you know, why am I scared of this? If I started this pod and I was hesitant to do it, I would have said my fear would be, what if it sucks? Um, My fear would have been, what if nobody listens? What if I don't network well? What if all the reasons that our other pod was so successful have more to do with my co-hosts or something else we was doing, maybe the content and this style of content ain't what people want to hear. These are legitimate fears because you, these are the thoughts and the things that you worry about. And then you just face them. Um, Honestly, I just listed those off the head. These aren't actual worries because if it sucks, then it sucks. So (laughs) that doesn't bother me, but the fear is that you kind of put in a wasted effort and time. Um, I've seen people come to a point and I, I've been talking to a lot of people lately just about what they want to do, goals and networking and, and all this other stuff, accountability and such. The hard thing about accountability is there's a certain fear there, too, that, like, for instance, I've told people, and I'll share here again, I, I haven't watched porn since February. I, I stopped watching porn because I was convicted and reading from my spouse, a conversation I had with her. I'll give her the credit, the early credit. Uh, which led into me reading and and a conversation Jesus was having, and specifically the Sermon on the Mount, if you're curious, where he was talking about, you know, if if a man should sin with his hands and cut it off, if he sins with his eyes, poke him out. Because if you sin in your heart, then you've already committed sin, even if you haven't um, did the activity. And that, that stuck with me, that sat with me for a while. Anyway, the point is I stopped. There's other reasons that tie into it, other stuff dealing with, like, Revenge porn and sex trafficking and those things. There's a lot that combined to convict me to this point. But one of the fears was I, it had become commonplace and even culturally cool, like, say, in my friend group or even just in life, that porn is just a way of life. That a lot of y'all watch it is fine. And I used to also. I probably have audio from the other part openly discussing how, yeah, whatever, I watch porn. And then having to go against that to turn away from that was culturally tough it wasn't physically tough like it was tough in the beginning maybe the first two weeks but it was culturally tough to even just say this out loud I'm way more comfortable now but when I first started talking about it I would dance around it and kind of test the waters to see what people's response would be because I'm doing something that is atypical of a, of a young man in my culture and there's a bit of fear there that you won't be accepted not that I need to be accepted but still you want to be accepted I like to be liked And I'm sure there's a lot of things out there y'all dealing with, or whatever they are. There's people who don't want to drink anymore. People who want to quit drinking alcohol and they're scared to face their friends and tell them that I no longer drink alcohol because whatever. There are people who want to lose weight, but they're not willing to commit in a way that's going to be effective for them. And understand that it's a lot easier to just try to hide the flaws that they have, that I'm not one of those guys that go to the pool and keep my shirt on. But if that's something you're doing, you're probably one scared and not confident in your own skin. But two, do you have it in you to put aside whatever's holding you back and then do the thing that you know is keeping you from comfort? And while I'm on comfort to undo my own point, comfort is another one. People are scared to move out of their comfort spaces that when they're comfortable, they got a job that they like. They're in a spot that they like. Their relationship is in a space that they like. They don't want to push it to the next level because now they got to do something. Now you got to meet a challenge. For instance, if you're just like, I'm engaged now. When I was just a boyfriend, all I had to do was live up to the boyfriend standard. It was very comfortable. It's not why I stayed there for so long. That's a different story, but I was comfortable. And then when we got engaged, Now I got to meet engaged fiance standards. When we get married, I'm going to have to meet the marriage standard. And all these things are uncomfortable because when I was a boyfriend, it was chill. There's no pressure. There's no babies. There's I had the lay of the land because that's where I was at. That's where we were. Now I got to meet these new challenges. Now I have to face these things in different way. Now I'm adding a person to my family who then could destroy my family if she's not on point. But I've done years of vetting. The point of it is you open yourself up more because if we break up as boyfriend and girlfriend, it sucks. But nice knowing you nothing. Nothing's lost. But time. if we divorce as husband and wife, there might be kids involved. There might be money. There might be whatever that you live in a different standards. I have to push myself into uncomfortable spaces and I have to not be scared of being uncomfortable because as a man, it's my job to make myself uncomfortable in whatever way, shape, or form, and then meet that challenge. And then once I get comfortable there, to make myself uncomfortable again. And as much as it is nice, I've done this even at work in different jobs. The job I have now for the last five years wasn't the job I had five years prior. I've been doing what I do for a living for 10 years. And that company started me in this business, in this industry. They taught me to roast. It was very comfortable there. My pay was cool. And one day I was like, I need to change and not frivolously. I need more money. I need more opportunity for upper mobility. I need a few of these things and it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to put my resume out there and I did it and I got another job and then I came over here and then I, and three years into being here, I said the same thing. I sent an email to HR and a few other people in the higher ups and I told them I'm comfortable and I don't like it. In fact, comfort makes me uncomfortable. That's weird to say, but as it relates to work, when your pay is stagnant, there's no upward mobility. I started to see the future and I'm like, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I get uncomfortable. I'm going to shake it up. So I sent an email to the higher ups and they ended up sending it around to a few people or whatever and I told them to basically in so many words create an avenue for me to improve what I'm doing to, to get to the next level or I might have to take my talents to South Beach and go somewhere else. I I've I fashion my life in a way that when I start to feel comfort, and I say I, God actually did that. God fashioned my life in a way. The way I think is when I'm bored, bad things happen. When I'm stagnant, I don't like that feeling. My girl will tell you, we'll be sitting on the couch watching TV, and I feel like I've been watching TV for too long, and I'll jump up and just start doing stuff because i like to shake things up i like throw a little curveball sometimes you gotta show up late to the party so people don't know when to expect you (laughs) and i got a couple friends that would hate that but it's all in how i'm designed i'm designed to not be comfortable i'm not scared of making changes in fact i'm gonna end it with this because i feel like i've been talking a lot this week i started with a new doctor my old doctor wasn't meeting the scheduling standard That was weird. I think I'm back, though. Uh, my old doctor wasn't meeting in the scheduling standard of. I'm just ch- checking to make sure I'm back. My old doctor wasn't meeting in the scheduling standard, which is ironic for me because I'm notoriously late to things. But. Look like I dropped out again. I think I know what the problem is now. Excuse me. As soon as I get a confirmation that this is back, I'm going to start talking again. Or or hit me in the comments if y'all can still hear me. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. At least it's still recording. So maybe I should keep talking. It says reconnection successful. Okay. So I'll wrap this up because it looks like I'm starting to have some problems. If, if you can't meet my scheduling standard, I can't go receive proper care, which means I can't focus on my health and all the, the, the few elements that I have. It like ended, ended my stream. This would be trash, but I think I'll just post the full video. So I can't focus on my, um, improvements. Because one of the things I wanted to improve, I said this two years ago and I've been working on it steadily, is my health. I start taking my blood pressure meds. I start doing everything that the doctor said to do. And then she just can't consistently keep me in. So I started with a new doctor. And the new doctor is dope. Uh, A young black lady, which was important to me to get somebody that was ethnically familiar with me. I looked for a black male, but none was under my um, insurance in my area. So I started working with her. Our conversation was, she felt like, I bet her and my mom would be friends. She felt like she was super informed. She told me a little bit about the insurance situation and she made some changes to get some of the things that I need done under my insurance as opposed to uh, additional insurance. But she was nurturing and caring, but firm and direct. And she was telling me, Hey, this is what we doing. She had a plan for me. And this was a part of, of what unfinished work is that clearly I'm not the perfect specimen. I used to be and there's ways that I can improve. And one of them is in my health. And it's probably the same for you. I, there's a lot of dudes that are scared to go to the doctor. There are a lot of guys, I, I'm to quote my homie um, Destiny from the She Got Something to Say show way back when. There's a lot of guys who don't know who their primary doctor is. They don't know their name. They don't know what they have. They ain't got a physical in the years. And that's crazy to me to think that y'all grown out here on your own insurance and you ain't getting checked out. And I'm not going to sit on this high horse because... Of all the high horses, this is one that I've been doing for a while and successfully, might I add. But I got a new doctor. I liked her a lot. I look forward to working with her and improving. And when y'all see me with my six-pack, I'm going to be super brand new. I'm going to act like I'm scared to know who you are. I'm going to be better than y'all. Don't let me be better than y'all. Go to the doctor. Meet me there. Uh, But anyway, I started a new doctor. I also had a random conversation with one of my homies. Uh, I believe... What's the program called? Something 75. It's a challenge. Yeah, 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 get through the thing. It's a challenge that this dude put a, the 75 hard challenge. It's a fitness challenge thing. It's about drinking water and working out a certain amount every day. I, I think I'm going to take the challenge. I wonder if any of y'all would take it with me. It's, it's a consistency thing. It tests you on your consistency to complete that task for 75 days straight. And if you miss a day, you start back at the beginning and then you keep going and i think what better way and i I mentioned this i teased this last week uh what better way to improve myself than to make a physical visible change as i improve mentally i read a lot of books i read a lot of self-help stuff i want to build a network of people that are doing some dope stuff around me but the two things i most suffer from is probably health and fitness related and they go hand in hand um and i say suffer let me rephrase that the two areas of opportunity i can improve the most are those two things i'm gonna wrap up the show i'm starting to get some dropouts from this internet i'm gonna highlight the spectrum people i might ask one of them to square up i'm I'm tired of spectrum i can't give a rising out here so i gotta deal with spectrum and they gotta do better but anyway this is an unfinished work show if you are still listening like the show for me hit like also if you're still listening please if you think this is dope and you like it share hit the share button and share it to somebody not just hit the share button share it to somebody you know who who you want to add into your team who's your accountability partner share it with them like and share support unfinished work we're building a network of strong men men who want to maximize their self-improvement because that's what i want to do i'm mike lake